0: and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about 1984's Runaway on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from City, which is patrolled by police. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrate the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to un uh, we're gonna unpack all the gory of details of 1984's Runaway in the hopes that uh, a cop's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust, that if I gotta get this missile bullet out of my shoulder, she'll do it and tell me to stop moving while she does. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina?
1: I'm sorry, you're gonna lose that arm. I I I, <laughs> I, I will do th- I will do the best I can, but but that thing's just blowing up.
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's gonna be rough because I really need that thing to go because it won't affect me at all for the rest of our adventures. It was almost like a it just grazed her shoulder or her arm. It's I don't really know how it got lodged there in the first place. Yeah, that went right through the bone and somehow she was fine, like the next scene. Yeah, it's in the fatty tissue of which she has zero because she's a dancer and she's the lithest creature on earth. But we'll get to that. I don't want to scare you, Gina. But we are not alone. that's right. We have a special guest. Now you know him as a bit of a podcast legend as it were, as one half of Jordan Jesse Go on the Max Fun Network. And of course, he's an author in his own right whose latest uh, are, are part of anthology is from Archie Comics, Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors, and the upcoming Chilling Adventures Camp Pickens One Shot, The One. The only Jordan Morris. How are you doing today, Jordan?
2: Hey, gang. Good to good to be here to talk about this <laughs> uh, pile of robot crap. <laughs> now, can a robot crap? Is that the next phase? I mean, they can sure.
1: cook pasta, so you know why not? Oh,
0: that's true. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of caterpillars. They they do seem to have a lot of offput. Uh, I mean, when you're filled with acid and you have to have oil in you to operate, wouldn't you have leavings at a certain point? I don't understand how these robots work necessarily.
1: Yeah, they seem more trouble than they're worth. Honestly,
0: <laughs> I mean they they're like filing. Most of them are like filing cabinets running around. They're not. <laughs> They're not like yeah, room- yeah. We're
1: not we're not looking at like the streamlined sexy robots of the future. The, these all look like the gonk robot from Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. These all of these things make a Roomba look elegant. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that till now. But we are we are presented with this near future where, you know, robots are a part of everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of good predicting by Michael Crichton. Uh, He gets a a lot of stuff right. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, we are never shown any robots being functional. I guess (laughs) you have those first couple of crop robots in the beginning, like doing their thing. But like every robot you see in this is like fucking up like, you know, like like the craziest version of Rosie from the Jetsons. <laughs> like Rosie
0: from the Jetsons when she takes that one elixir that makes her drunk. It's just, right.
2: Yes, exactly. I guess Rosie, for the most part, was pretty competent, but I think yeah. we did see her go haywire. Yeah, every once uh, in a while she plugged episodes.
0: into the wrong outlet. I mean, of course. Listen, don't we all don't we all though, huh? The weirdest thing about the Jetsons is that and I I can't remember the name of the comedian who who dis- dissected this. But based on the outline of when the the Jetsons proper, those two meet, like George is well into his 20s and his wife is like maybe 16. It's super weird. Like it just does not make any rational sense of how they met. I don't care how in the future you are like. There should be some consent between two uh, adults before they start having two children and a robot and a dog who, you know, runs in space.
2: Well, I, uh, boy, I hate, I hate to be the one to say this, but George Jetson, you're canceled.
0: (laughs) Finally got it. Coming for you,
2: Fred Flintstone. (laughs) Look out, Top Cat. (laughs) The woke Bob is coming for Grape Ape.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, if the woke mind virus has not overtaken grape ape at this point, uh, what kind of world are we really living in? Right. Gen Z, get at her. So a bit of background here. First of all, Gina, you've been a, a large proponent of runaway here on the show for a long time. Now, we take we take a every year we we try to take one a uh, regular genre movie, like an action film that has a ton of horror elements and, and draft it into this. We've done the commandos, the, the cobras as it were. And I was always trying to hold off on this. Cause I thought we might do a string of them, but then finally we're like, let's just, we want to talk about runaway. Let's talk about runaway. Why do you want to talk about runaway Gina?
1: Well, honestly it was suggested to me initially Mm-hmm. uh by by a a a dear friend and a fan of the show. Um i inspired by our coverage of Commando and Cobra. Um, you know where, you know, Runaway should be a part of that conversation. And sure. and I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, actually, you know what, this would be a good fit because <laughs> it's you know it's takes itself very seriously but it's still very campy at the same time.
2: Sure.
1: Uh, you, you got the, 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 you know, absolutely batshit element of Gene Simmons. <laughs> and what I think is his <laughs> first acting role where he's not playing quote unquote, Gene Simmons. Correct. I'm surprised or, 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 it
2: wasn't his last. I'm really <laughs> surprised if this was his first acting role. Uh, I, I'm surprised there were subsequent acting roles. I think oh, he essentially played the same character.
1: I, I think he essentially has played the same character over and over. Well though, no, there was that one he did with John Stamos where he was supposed to be trans woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, dear. We shan't talk about that one.
0: No. No.
1: Um but you know, and I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I think it would be a good fit. I just, you know, and it's not something that you you hear other podcast talk about maybe for good reason as it turns out but you know i I, if you had said no absolutely not i wouldn't have been devastated but but i just thought it would be fun to throw in there
2: sure i I will say i don't i i this is not a good movie but i think for the purpose of this podcast and for the purpose of putting on something when you're a little stoned i think this movie is great i think this is like a really like to, to 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 steal a phrase from uh uh, the wonderful bad movie podcast, The Flop House. I mm-hmm. really think this is a good bad movie. Yeah, yeah um, totally. And and yeah, it's it's it is. It, it, I was I was, you know, I was I was always kind of marveling at something incompetent that was happening, <laughs> but I was always having fun. And yeah, there are some like little glimmers of coolness, little glimmers of like genius in here uh you know again from michael crichton my my favorite childhood author i can't believe i had never heard of this but yeah he definitely like you know is is a sci-fi genius and it 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 does have a lot a lot of cool stuff you know crammed into a movie where no one reacts to anything that's going on
0: (laughs) i think i think everyone was told to be so blasé towards the futuristic elements of this robots to to view them as every day that some of the wilder elements of this motion picture are treated with the same indifference. Yeah. No kidding. Not to its benefit.
2: Yeah, I know. Like I, I understand that as like part of the vibe of the movie, like robots are part of your life. Don't act, you know, don't act surprised by them. You know, you're just a, you're just a beat cop, you know, out for a paycheck, Tom Selleck. But like, people just get stabbed in public and no one does anything like and i and and i get that like a robot is a normal recurrence but if it's like zapping electricity and whirling around and exploding like you you would react to that anyway no one in this movie does but um. yeah this
1: whole scene with uh with kirstie alley in his office getting these like these mild but painful electrical shocks from a robot <laughs> yeah. and, and her and Tom Selik are like flirting with each other while he's trying to disable this thing
0: <laughs> it is it is truly wild um let's let's set up a bit of runway for runaway um and that uh I think a lot of its status as an enduring film had to do with the fact that it while it didn't do much at the box office at the time it played on cable Things like you know, like TNT and AMC and whatnot, ad nauseum. It was an HBO favorite. Oh, it just absolutely! <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's how I discovered it. It know it, it, right. it, it, it's a Beastmaster syndrome.
0: Exactly. So, um, Runaway was the second to last movie directed by a blockbuster author and visibly upset audience member during a previous screening of Twister, Michael Crichton. Um, <laughs> Did he not like Twister? No, he didn't like my reaction to Twister. I was invited as a regular audience member to see a previous screening on the Warner Warner Brothers lot. He was seated in front of me, which meant I had to lean around him to see the screen because he was gigantic. (laughs) And Twister is a fun and funny movie. And I don't think he had picked up on how funny it was until he heard me laughing through all a hundred and twenty-eight minutes of it, or however long it lasts, he uh, he did not like my reaction to it. Personally, <laughs> uh, is what I picked up from what oh, he was crank, putting down. Crank, cranky cranky old solid. Crichton, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. No, it's interesting. He, he was, as I mentioned, my like favorite author as a kid, like I was a dinosaur kid. So of mm-hmm. course I had read Jurassic park, like before the movie came out and then, you know, took down Congo, the Andromeda strain, a uh, sphere, mm-hmm. all these like lesser Crichtons. Um, but I don't really know anything about the man other than that, like later in life, he became a climate change denier, which is really weird Yeah, um, for a, a, a guy who I think had an actual science background, but for whatever reason uh, became a changed, climate change denier. So when you said that thing about Twister, I'm like, oh, does he not like, you know, is he just not a fan of like weather or the idea that like weather can be dangerous?
0: I, I don't think he liked what he felt was a very serious subject. Being, okay. okay. Maybe that was, maybe that be, was being reacted to with uh, not derisive laughter, but when flying cows are called out by one character, I'm <laughs> sure. going to laugh. I'm sorry. Uh, They're very funny performances in that film. But as a, you know, he had a, a very established uh, an author period. And then he was able to draft scripts for like his, it, one of his first books, The Andromeda Strain. And that sort of launched him into the ability to direct movies. His first film is Westworld in 1974. So that he's kind of like, Uh that's his proto-Jurassic Park tale. Uh and then he begins adapting other people's blockbuster work. Robin Cook, the the creator of the medical thriller. He he directs Coma, which is a pretty damn good thriller, all all put all all said. I've only
2: seen Westworld once, but I remember it being a being a cool movie. I was I was you know, I was I was I, I was anticipating something better uh, seeing his name on it because sure. I just remembered like Westworld. I'm like, hey, Westworld, that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the <laughs> the non-directing that goes on in this movie is pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird what he wants to pay attention to and not pay attention to because yeah, I, because I would I get, say I, if you haven't seen The Great Train Robbery, which he c- comes out the same year as Coma, so it's a, a wild year for him, but. The Great Train Robbery is definitely his best directed work. He's working with, you know, a real train. He's got Sean Connery who's pushing back at him constantly during filming. And the the things he's able to do with the camera in that film are pretty amazing given the hurdles he has to jump over. Now, he takes those successes and he pours them into Looker, which is One of those early eighties films that demands you take Albert Finney seriously as a super hot dude that every (laughs) woman needs to sleep with this and Wolfen back to back seem to promote the idea. Every woman is just waiting for their opportunity to hop on top of Albert Finney. Doesn't matter which part. (laughs) And then he, that goes over like a lead balloon but he has this idea for Runaway and they green light it. And he's like, this is great. Sci-fi is hot right now. I've got a great robot tail. There's nothing in front of me that's really going to interfere with the success of Runaway. And then in October of that year, a little film called The Terminator comes out.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, kind of makes these robots look like dorks. It's just... <laughs> It's hard to compare the little robo spiders to Arnold Schwarzenegger turning into a massive killing machine robot slowly but surely over the course of a 90 minute slasher film with guns. It's just, it pales in comparison. And But I don't know that like the Terminator needed
2: to eat. This movie's lunch as thoroughly as it did. Like, <laughs> you know what has good-looking robots? Sure. Star Wars. That you know that that came out uh, what five six years before this. Like, yeah. these yeah. things are just so janky, and no effort has gone into making them like look cool um, yeah. or sound cool. The any anytime anything makes a noise in this movie, it is so fucking annoying. Like every like the. There's not a lot of music in the movie Like when mm. some music kicks in It's like You know it's <laughs> just like someone said do, do do that John Carpenter music But you know like Didn't understand the assignment uh, You know just like Kind of got drunk At four and wanted to shit it out By six um, a cat yeah, Walking across a
0: every- Casio is how we Like to put it on the show
2: Yeah it's exactly that but like less elegant somehow but yeah like i I, i'm getting off track here we're talking about the robots but yeah they're just like these things can look cool like that's possible you can make a domestic robot that you know has a little personality i guess the like maid robot that tom sellick has has a little bit of you know personality maybe that's mostly the voice actor doing a pretty good job there but like yeah, I don't know. I, these these things don't have to look or sound as bad as they do. Yeah,
1: they, they look like they're made out of scrap metal.
2: Sure, sure. It, lo- it looks like something like a a boy scout makes for a regatta. Like they all have to like it's like it's like a project they have to do for a badge. It looks like a yeah, a kid <laughs> made it out of
0: stuff. It they're all designed to be so practical that they that the fantastical nature of their constant. Constantly surrounding everyone makes it seem dreary as as opposed to what it's competing against just in the Christmas box office season. So this is up against Beverly Hills Cop, John Carpenter's Starman, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> which a person dances on a fucking ceiling. David Lynch's Dune, Night of the Comet. 2010, the year we made Contact, the most inexplicable sequel to 2001. And yet, it's a damn fine motion picture. And Terminator is still still in the box office at this point in time. So when people were going to the movies to see something, it seemed a lot more dazzling to see these other films than Runaway, which kind of comes off as a, a bit dowdy and... um. It doesn't help that Crichton is kind of mystified by the special effects necessary for this film.
1: The only the only you know, area they seem to take a little care in is like the flying bullets. And yeah. you get like that's like two scenes that you that you you get them in.
0: It also doesn't help that the flying bullets have to move so slowly, because it's obviously a guy running with a steady cam that people can outrun the flying.
1: But it is, it is <laughs> funny when you get like the the, the the bullets POV and you see like Tom Selleck, he's like running and looking over his shoulder, running and looking over his shoulder.
0: I mean, in the history of POV that we've seen on this, this particular podcast, Gina, we've had Jason staring out from the bushes and, and looking at a dog from his penis's POV. We've had snake POV a couple different times. Uh,
1: we've, we've, we've had
0: one we've, we've had wolf vision. We've had wolf vision on Wolfen. That that was a big one, and of course, predator vision. The, the bullet POV here, I would say, is one step away from just bursting into a Beastie Boys video. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I didn't say it was, like, you know, spectacular. I just said it was, you know, where the most care, you know, went into the special effects.
0: It's the liveliest that this gets when it it just unbeknownst to the audience. It's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait a second. We got an Evil Dead Two thing happening here. Hold on, yeah. Gonna...
2: It reminded me of that in kind of a fun way, and like yeah. the actors like looking back and pretending like they're seeing a bullet. I guess <laughs> is uh, <laughs> yeah. is a lot of
0: fun. Yes. It does look it does look like they they're looking back to see if Hank, the camera operator, is as close to them as he said they was going to be. Right. But,
1: but even uh, then, like the the gun that they're launched out of, it looks like, you know, a, a, like a price tag thing that you would use on like soup right. cans. And it's like, yes. there's like, where is the sleek, futuristic, you know, you, you design these things are supposed to have that we that we were, you know, promised back in like the 70s. Everything yeah, yeah. is just so clunky and, and, and ungainly. And it's like, this is not any kind of future I want to live in.
2: Everything. Yeah. Every, every future prop looks really bad. There's, there's a moment early on where Tom Selleck has to go into a house with a crazy robot and he puts on a special like, um like bulletproof vest type thing that has a laser attached to it to right. like, disable the robot. And it looks like, Ren fair chain mail with a laser tag gun attached. <laughs> it just looks like someone from props is hot gluing things to other things. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know this. I, I, I wonder how quickly this movie was shot out. Like the, 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 the plot is so from a screenwriting book. Like mm-hmm. we have a cop, he has a past and he's afraid of one thing. It's heights and that's his whole deal. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it it, it really like hits those beats and just, you know, comes in at 90 minutes. I I wonder I wonder if this was like, you know, crapped out when he was hot because he thought he could sell something else. And because, yeah, the 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 we don't really care about this vibe
0: is 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 pretty prevalent throughout. Yeah, it, it just, I think, well, let's get into the plot. I, I think we'll dissect where it fails and where it rises to the occasion along the way. Uh, so our first character that we really have to be concerned with is, is Sergeant Ramsey. He's played uh, by the mustache owned by Tom Selleck. Um, <laughs> he's, he's going with a buzz cut here, but his part can't stop. Like his hair wants to have the part right in the middle and no amount of buzz cut is really stopping it from artificially parting like 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 uh you know Moses is going come on come on come on and it just starts to part right in the front <laughs> um and we're not in this movie for 2 full minutes before he has a new partner named Thompson played by all the blonde hair on top of dancer actor activist Cynthia Rhodes um Cynthia had had come to prominence as a dancer on film in several projects including the Saturday Night Fever um, sequel, which she oh, wow. is good dancer in that. Um, and then in Flashdance, she's the secret dancer who's both on screen as her own character. And then she's also uh, filling in for other people's dancers, other oh. dancer people in silhouette. Like she's just that fucking good. So at this point, Hollywood's like this. Listen, this person has been in two oh, sorry. One blockbuster movie and a (laughs) Sylvester Stallone film in which he dresses like Craven the Hunter. It's fucking wild how he shows up in that motion picture. Um, Um,
2: She's, I mean, you know, I I think not a surprise. This, uh, you know, female character in an 80s action movie is uh, about as underwritten a character as has ever existed
0: uh yeah at one point she tries to deliver like what her backstory is and she's literally shushed
2: like, oh that's funny i didn't catch that <laughs> like,
0: um she's yeah she, she's she's giving her stuff she's like i was a dancer and then i hurt my knee and then i tried to do this and then, and then guys. Oh, there, there's more important plot happening and we never learn anything else about her again
2: I think we know that she used to work in in traffic. I think that that's a little joke that keeps coming up. She's like, Well, at least it's more interesting than traffic. And I'm like, I this is all about this person I know. <laughs> yeah, as soon as
1: she as soon as she uh you know meets Sergeant Ramsey, she's got like the anime hard
2: eyes.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> great
2: eye make great new wave eye makeup on her too, by the
0: way. Yes. Uh, I mean, this movie is of a place and time, sure. and that's one of the best things about it that that every other person in this is carrying a mountain's worth of hair on their head, <laughs> um, the glass brick that appears uh, behind people at, at various intervals, and it's so full of cop movie cliches. And there, uh, one of the things that Crichton said, one of the very few things he said about it, was, "I just wanted to make a cliche." Uh, cop movie, but insert this science fiction concept onto it and treat it like this is every single, every day. And it's like, I guess mission accomplished, but yeah, that's, that is, that is a weird, that's a very, that's a very, a that's a very specific
1: goal he had.
0: Yes. Um, uh, maybe, maybe he was justifying it after the fact, but that, those were words that came out of his mouth.
2: And, and I do, I will say, I will say that I, I do think she, she is, she's good here. She's like really doing a lot with, um, you know, really doing a lot with a little, and and yeah, I can totally see why you know uh, Hollywood tried to make her a star. Um, yeah, I I do want to like see what else she's been in because she's she is good here, despite not
0: having a lot. Sadly, of this is one of her last roles. <laughs> she oh, just no. decides fuck this noise and gets <laughs> yeah. out of the industry. Well, she was Forgot- uh,
1: there was still Dirty Dancing after this.
0: That's true. She does return for Dirty Dancing, which is
1: probably overall her most memorable role.
0: She's given some, something to do there. They work, uh, these two policemen, they work for police in city, which is (laughs) a very, obviously they're trying to cover up for the fact that it's Vancouver, but why they didn't name it a city, I'll never know. It seems to have a wild geography.
1: We don't even seem to know. I don't think they even specify what year it's supposed to be.
0: No. Uh, According to Crichton, this is one year in the future. It doesn't matter when you see it. It's one year from that point. <laughs> right. So imagine that this movie is one is twenty twenty four. Gina, sure, sure. But the, I mean, like, we're close. We're closer to it than we were in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. That's very sure. The like the predictive stuff in this movie
2: is like legit impressive. Like he Crichton does call some things that like look it's so okay so these things are roompas. he calls that yeah uh, there's like a ring camera for a doorbell
0: yes or VHS like, operated ring camera which I would love to get my hands on
2: oh yeah sure for that uh for that for that retro fiend in your life <laughs> exactly
0: listen I what I need, only need to see people in four three that's when you really get the best resolution
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, his kid Tom Selleck's kid is like watching cartoons on an iPad yeah. um Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what Crichton's good at. He's good at, like, you know, getting a sci-fi scenario that seems kind of plausible. I definitely remember, like, as a kid, like, thinking the science behind Jurassic Park was so sound. I was like, just do it. Just create the dinosaurs. He's telling you how in this book. Just go get the mosquitoes. They're in amber, you know, like... uh, So, yeah, this is, like, this is kind of his, like, superpower. Um, And, yeah, all that stuff is kind of fun to see. It's kind of fun to see the, like... 80s vision of the future that like kind of came true
0: yes uh, and for example like the, this first sequence in which they're called to a, on a runaway call this is a bit like emergency 51 where all of a sudden the bell rings and they gotta roll so they they helicopter out to one of city's big cornfields and <laughs> yeah they that's weird term- they're very
2: close to a cornfield i guess they, take they a helicopter. they
0: are so. a mere helicopter ride away from a cornfield and they have to terminate a rogue robot pest exterminator. Uh, a literal he who rolls behind the rows. And as soon as they land, the the farm workers there are like, what are you doing? Why don't you just skedaddle in there? Well, fuck you. I don't skedaddle on command. Like, I'm am a I'm a real professional here. I don't skedaddle just when you need me to. And so they go out into the cornfield. They find at one point they find this robot Thompson, Cynthia Rhodes character lifts it up above her head and somehow drops it and it just rolls past her. I don't know how this thing is able to get away from them, but you think they were chasing a greased hog by the way they <laughs> maneuver. And then they get to a certain point where they're over it. They look at each other and they go one, two, three, and leap up in the air and come down on it like they're in a the fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this this is supposed to be like a, a, a comedy scene. They kind of try and play <laughs> this for laughs. Right. Not Crichton's forte. No. Um. Yeah, I kind of appreciated the attempt here. Um. Yeah, and they. I think it's at some point they come up with like black soot over their eyes, <laughs> like you know. Yes. They just did a cartoon chemistry
0: experiment. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like they got something from the Acme Corporation, and it it, it blew up in their face. Bugs by his at- little cigar.
2: Okay, someone. Okay, I I think he's lying at this point. Uh, But at some point in the movie, uh, uh, Gene Simmons tries to get in by saying he's from Acme Robot Repair, and I'm just like, I I know he's lying, but he would have thought about that for two more seconds than whoever wrote this, Michael Crichton. (laughs) Like, yeah, the fact that he says Acme Robot Repair, it's like, come on, dude. Like,
0: yeah, it's uh, again, Crichton. Said he didn't need to memorize the script. He was more interested with what he brought to the role. This, oh boy, he's he's freewheeling it here. You're getting pure uncut Gene. He
2: like he looks the part. He looks like a scumbag, right? Like good casting in that regard, but like. Ben Gazzara exists at this point, you know, uh, uh, Jack Palance is out there playing villains at this point. Like, again, I know not everybody's schedule lines up and, uh, you know, clearly this was a kind of a quick and dirty shoot, but like, yeah, the fact that like Ricardo Montalban exists (laughs) and you get Gene Simmons to like just just sleaze around in an unpleasant way. It's I don't know.
0: He I, he sucks. I think the world had just seen them without makeup because that's that's a couple right. years prior to this, and so the world has now come become accustomed to the reality of what Gene's face actually looks like. <laughs> no,
1: right. no, he's ugly. <laughs> uh,
0: I, he looks so cool. Put the cat like, makeup <laughs> back on.
2: Yeah, like he was kind a
0: samurai cats. demon before this, and then he took it off and like. Oh, that's my friend's coke dealer. Oh <laughs>
1: Jesus! And he like in this scene where he's like talking into the the door camera. I mean, he's doing a a Kubrick stare at no and nothing. <laughs> like like you're supposed to do that at people, not like you know just staring into a camera and looking down your nose at it
0: his version of nonchalant gives the impression that he has not one, but several bodies in the trunk of his car.
1: Oh yeah. He's definitely got someone tied up in in, in the backseat that, you know, is, is trying frantically to get out while he's there.
0: Yeah. And I don't, you know, we mentioned the score earlier. Uh, it really doesn't help that Jerry Goldsmith, who, uh, you know, has done amazing work, usually worked with full orchestras here decides I'm going to go. Is this All Jerry electronic. Goldsmith really? This is Jerry. No fucking way. Goldsmith. No,
2: really. The music is noticeably
0: terrible. What it happened? Is. I don't know. I don't. It, it sounds like the Tron soundtrack became self-aware. I. He's going for something here, but it doesn't fit any of yeah. the action that takes place. Oh my god! It, it just it
2: does just seem like it's like Jerry. You got an hour. <laughs> We're yeah, we're shooting at ten. The music needs to play under the action for some reason.
0: Yeah. Man, I think Yeah.
2: You really, you really feel the carpenter in this movie. Like mm-hmm. and yes. and you know, probably how into him everyone was. But like, man, it's just such a bad imitation. Oh boy. And, and, and the idea
0: that what he does is so simple that you should be able to do it because it's not, and no one's going right. to claim that Jerry Goldsmith doesn't know how to create an effective movie soundtrack. He obviously does, but it's one of those things that, you know, Carpenter fooled a lot of people and do a lot of things. They looked at Halloween and go, wow, and that looks really, really simple. I should be able to do that. And I guess it's probably the thing with
2: his music too, because the music is really simple, you know, like, you know, but but yeah, it is like genius simple. Yes. Yeah, very weird. Very hard to imitate.
0: So their next call for a runaway is with... Uh, Cynthia Rhodes gets hushed because there's been a 702 call. Uh, That 702 is police code in city for uh, needing to poop. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. That's a (laughs) 1020. 702 is when a robot has killed a human. So as we mentioned before, Crichton's very good at looking into the near future and saying, I think this is something that could very well be realized and make happen. And this is one of those moments where he absolutely gets it right. And that is a drone is pushed into the action.
2: Oh, yeah, sure,
0: drones. Gather information that otherwise a human being might put their body in danger for. And so this is, as far as I'm aware, the first real drone who's, it's just a, uh, something to keep it up in the air and a camera is used in a motion picture a- as a prop it's not a real drum. um and as they're getting ready tom selk is putting on what y- y- you call it chainmail. it absolutely looks like. to me it looks like shark bite armor that oh, like yeah, australians sure. put on when they're doing nature photography So it just, it doesn't allow the actual uh, teeth to go into your body, but you still feel the pressure. And then some uh, motorbike pads are put on top of that. And he asks, how big is this robot? And someone says, it's about the size of a, you know, turn of the century hat box. (laughs) <laughs> oh, perfect description. We have robots, but we also know what hat box sizes are. This this it's works just perfectly. Just next
2: year, I know what a hat box is now, so I will p- probably know what, what a hat box is next year. Makes total sure. sense. The movie's yeah. good. It makes
0: sense. Great. <laughs> not a trash can. Not a filing cabinet. Hat box. Work of genius. So... uh before he goes in, Tom Selleck uh, gets pointed to the father and his, his wife and his daughter have been hacked to death by the robot inside the house. It has since acquired a gun. We will go into that gun a little <laughs> bit later on. But he goes, hey, um, what do you know about this? Is that your gun? Did you modify this robot? And the dad freaks out. It's like I don't want to be on. I don't want to be on camera. No There's pictures a there. No pictures. No. No, no pictures. Cars. No television. No pictures. No television. That <laughs> this.
2: That was my biggest laugh. This is just such a weird performance <laughs> from this guy, and such a weird, like a weirdly staged moment. It's hard to describe. I can't describe why it was so funny, but yeah, Dad is screaming, and we know what we learn why later because we know that you know Gene Simmons keeping tabs on him, but like right. he screams, no pictures, no television, and just kind of runs off into the distance, and no one stops him. <laughs>
0: they just let him run away. Like <laughs> they let him he- run away. Like like you you should be able to do this. And the other weird thing that happens is the camera guy from the TV news studio leans into his microphone, and goes. Uh, what was his problem? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's got a dead wife and daughter. Yeah, no kidding. I know. You know, this- that's that's the basis for feelings. I don't know, man. It seems like he's going through something, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that this dude is super freaked out by what is happening in front of it. And everyone else is like, Jesus, this happens every Tuesday. Should it? Yeah, I was gonna this say- happens every
1: do they need a, 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 you know, a code? Does, does, does robots killing humans happen so often does they need a code? Apparently so. Because that they seems like an, such an such... entire unit with three people in it. That that seems like something they may want to address.
0: <laughs> no, they're just, they send Tom Selleck and his mustache after these things and we're all better for it. Um, this is the first time we see the swooping Bob of Gene Simmons as Dr. Luther. I don't, I'm still unsure as to what he's a doctor of. We we later learn that he's got several convictions for armed robbery and murder, but I, I he what is he a doctor of like killing people?
1: <laughs> a doctor he's a he's a he's a doctor Robotnik.
0: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> if only he had a mustache, then that would be perfect for this. Uh, but Simmons' main move, both here in this scene and throughout the remainder of the film, is a disappointed in this froyo shops service level of scowl um, Sometimes he sometimes he bears his teeth yes when he bears his teeth it's kind of like I'm trying out a new tongue look at these look at these choppers okay um, Ramsey enters the house um, and the camera guy from the TV studio just follows him in like do they not court and shit off anymore in the future? Why? Are, why is a camera yeah. guy allowed to just wander in into this dangerous situation? And then Tom Selleck's like, "Stop! Yeah. Go away! Just stop there!" And the camera goes like, "What? As, Guess what? Yeah, that- as
2: easy as dad, his dad can just flee into the <laughs> into the distance, into the night. The camera guy yeah. can just go into the crime scene.
0: Yeah. There's there's no police management of a crime scene whatsoever. And wouldn't you know it? Like, they're not in that fucking house for more than a minute. And that camera guy gets shot through the chest. <laughs> when when this happens, uh, Tom Sella crawls over to check if he's still alive. But somehow checks his pulse on top of his shoulder. Is there is there a place to check a person's pulse on top of their shoulders and <laughs> a physiology in the future that I'm unaware. to say,
1: we're going to, we're going to evolve very quickly.
0: <laughs> right now that we don't have to do these household tasks, we're going to develop new arteries and veins in our shoulders to compensate for the lack of physical work. Um. So throughout this, now this robot has a gun. We hear this cocking noise whenever the robot is about to shoot. I might remind the audience, if you have not seen the film, and that's okay, that the robot is shooting a .357 revolver. (laughs) This is not a a gun one needs to caulk, necessarily to chamber around. It's not a shotgun. And yet that is how it is treated. Also, this robot doesn't appear to have a trigger finger, as it were. (laughs) And so he's just operating this gun by force of electronic will, I suppose.
2: Yeah. Again, this is just another, another, another case for things in this movie were just hot glued to other things. And that's <laughs> that, that was as much thought was as was put into the
0: props. I don't come to run away for realism necessarily, but the film seems to want to have a verite realism to it. So when the robot shoots, a revolver eight times and has a single arm one has to wonder how the fuck it's cocking this gun you don't have to cock and reloading the chamber i just how does this work is there another robot who simply loads the bullets in that we don't ever see <laughs> i don't know Does it have one spindly arm that grabs bullets and puts it into the chamber like a scared drunk in an old west movie? I don't know. It it just, yeah, it it does seem like
2: this is the stuff that you would think that Crichton would be into, right? Like, how does this work? How does a robot get a gun? How does the robot shoot a gun? Like, I I get that maybe this dude is not into like the performances or, (laughs) you know, the the making the, the giving the characters nuance, but it's like, I don't know. You're the sci-fi guy. You're the predictive sci-fi guy. Like, please like put a, put a little, put a little TLC into this stuff at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think he, I think he views a lot of the characters and actors and set pieces in this like plates to serve the technology you know, bouquet of ideas that he's trying to deliver to the audience. But you need to you need to kind of think about those plates just a, a little bit because if I'm not as entertained by the scene in which Tom Selleck rolls around on the ground a whole lot before he lasers a robot twice, and then lasers are only used one more time, these motherfuckers have laser guns, and they're like, leave that at home. I'm fighting robots a different way today. No, bring the laser gun with you.
2: Yeah, I know. The fact that he has that robot stopping laser in one scene, and we don't understand why he doesn't have it in subsequent scenes where the robots are more of a problem, it is very weird. Yeah. I, I'm just going to distract
1: gun. these bullets with heat.
0: <laughs> right. I'll rely on pipes, everyone. Old fashioned pipes are the way I'll fight these robots. And I'll get it done in record time. Um, He rescues a baby. And that's great. Because it's an introduction to his own child, who's who's about 12 years old, but acts like he's six, named Bobby. Bobby.
2: (laughs) Great uh, great, uh, hotel robe on Bobby when we meet him. (laughs) (laughs) The kid's just uh, cruising around in kind of like a velvet Hugh Hefner monogrammed
0: robe. It's very weird. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the life he leads, though. He's got cartoons on an iPad. He's got a robot that makes him hot dogs whenever he wants. Despite mm-hmm. Tom Selleck Platt saying, "Please don't exclusively feed my child hot dogs." The robot's like, "That's the only thing Bobby will eat." I'm going to plug in now. Beep, 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 beep. Lois is out <laughs> of the scene. Uh, there's a third member of the runaway uh, team that's Marvin he's the guy who looks through microscopes and delivers exposition of what he's found in in microchips Um, Marvin discovers that the homicidal robot they faced the previous day uh, has a non-standard chip installed that promptly explodes when you talk about it Um, (laughs) so that's interesting technology that's, that's
1: quite a fail safe there yeah
0: it senses when you're talking about it, kind of like a Twitter blue subscriber with six followers. And then <laughs> it just explodes by itself. <laughs> and when it explodes, Marvin goes, floor! And Tom Selleck just like uh, gang tackles Cynthia Rhodes. But the camera guy makes sure that we see the uh, the pad on the floor that Selleck and Rhodes jump onto <laughs> or they just always have pads on the floor at the runaway headquarters i'm not particular
1: they do, and on thursdays they they have gymnastics classes for children
0: <laughs> yes like my, my son's uh, pe class they're into doing human pyramids and since there's three of them you only need one pad it's perfect <laughs> um Run now. Ramsey gets called to a, a runaway situation at a construction site, and I think this is the third time it's been mentioned that he's no fan of heights. So of course he just looks at this thing, and is like, "Fuck yes, this!"
2: He's a character. He has <laughs> characteristics.
0: Yes, he's got a mustache, and he doesn't like heights. Dead wife. So that's a
2: characteristic, I guess.
0: And he looks like Tom Self. He's a mustachioed
2: really widow who doesn't like heights. I guess. <laughs> It's not even like they don't even like go through the like they don't even go through the motions of like explaining why he's afraid of heights. Like it's not even part of his character. Like, I don't yeah. know. My wife fell off a high thing. Like, it's just like,
0: I'm afraid of height. I don't know. It's the Yeah, this comes up so much. Um, he's always been afraid of heights. And there was one thing where he was afraid of heights and didn't follow somebody into it. And, and then that that, that perp. Killed six people later that night. Oh, really? I
2: maybe missed that too. I'll I'll apologize. It could be that I zoned out a couple of times.
0: But it's not something we see. It's not something he says in a confessional sort of way that reveals his character. It's something that Marvin tells Cynthia Rhodes just offhandedly. Like this is why he's not a regular cop anymore. Okay. As if he'll never have to deal with a robot in a tall building Or have to helicopter anywhere. (laughs) Two times we see both of these scenarios, and this isn't even the finale of the movie. We're only like a half an hour into this motherfucker. So good for us that Cynthia Rhodes will go up to the 18th floor and turn the switch on this robot that's dumping cement bags. And good news, the police force has forced her to wear a skirt for this particular (laughs) gig, which I don't believe to be particularly practical
2: no no looks great looks great looks great honor but uh yeah maybe uh something where you have to uh, climb a building or uh move faster than a jog it's uh, yes. probably not great for uh
0: now that we know that these killer microchips are in play this is when the plot proper begins luther's commissioned a whole bunch of these killer microchips to sell to the highest bidder um from johnson the man who's almost entire family was killed the night before and harry uh, a character whose hair appears to be snap on like he bought it in a shop and it just (laughs) goes over the top of his dome and so uh he goes to the place of business where they manufacture these microchips and uh, harry says i'm going to give you half of them but I need to be paid before I give you the other half and the templates that you can use to manufacture as many as you want after that. And for some reason, Luther agrees to this deal, walks out, but of course, he's left behind a killer robo-spider. The robo-spider appears out of a towel. So did Luther bring the robo-spider inside of a towel? was it in his breast
2: pocket where was he keeping the spider before this <laughs> i just jumped into his cart at bed bath and beyond
1: <laughs> well, what i think is funny is how like everybody is shocked when he turns around and rips them off and it's like look look at him does this add a trustworthy face <laughs>
0: right is this is this the guy who's not going to give you one bill and the rest of its cut newspaper of course he is of course he's going to leave a robo spider filled and with acid. And this guys for like you. what?
2: The the robo spiders I I do have to like admire their commitment to killing their victims. Yeah. They they are filled with acid. They do <laughs> explode, but they also mm-hmm. stab you in the neck. Yes. So I guess I guess maybe the the sequence is they jump on you, they stab you in the neck with a stabber that comes out of them. Then They start to drip acid and then they blow up and sometimes they'll just like blow up, you know, anybody who's standing around too. So like I, yeah, you respect the overkill. Like one of these things would kill you, you know? Yes. But they also don't want to see a whole bunch. But they
1: also move very slowly. I, I feel like it would be very easy yeah. to, to you know, leave the room that they're in.
2: No, no robot in this movie is ever threatening. No, um, no. There, there is some some well done suspense later in the movie that we'll we'll get to. But the robots aren't even really part of it. Yeah. The, the only scary things in this. Uh, yeah. The scary things in these this movie is uh it is not the robots.
0: It's a big leap from like your coffee maker can kill you to. Robo spider filled with acid. Yeah, I mean, you might you
1: you might be in danger of you having a bag of cement dropped on you, but that's about it.
0: One high concept idea that I I don't quite buy with this movie is that cops will get shot at, um, and watch other suspicious people like reach for guns inside their coat, and they're like, "Listen, we're we all we're all tense. I'm not going to handcuff you. I'm not going to reach for my gun." I'm, I'm not going to just start shooting wildly like I know in real life police act. Here it's very casual. So when when Tom Selleck finally catches up to Thompson because he knows. That these microchips are out there, and that he works for the company that manufactured them. And some undercover cop has traced them to a local flea bag hotel. He goes up to the fourth floor, he opens the door, there's some sort of alarm on it, and Thompson shoots at him twice. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm a police guy. He's like, oh, sorry, oops. Yeah, this
2: is this is one of the more confusing like blasé moments in the movie. The fact that <laughs> his his reaction is to just, just start firing, and then Tom <laughs> Selleck is just
0: okay with it. Yes. And he doesn't like he searches him, but he doesn't handcuff him. He's shot at you with a gun. That's in my mind. It's time for handcuffs. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a big pro-police motherfucker. But I do think once the shooting at you begins, I'm fine with not shooting back. But probably securing him so they might not shoot again is a big one. Here, he's like, listen, you've had a rough night. And he just <laughs> takes him downstairs. And Thompson's like, you can't take me outside. Bad things are going to happen. He's like, I'm going to put you in a fucking police car and we're going to leave. Lo and behold, they get outside, and Gene Simmons is there. And instead of everyone pulling their guns and just shooting Gene Simmons because look at him, they're like, another day, another dollar. And Gene (laughs) Simmons pulls out this whole-ass pricing gun and shoots in a random direction. The bullet whizzes past them and comes back and explodes near them. Does Gene Simmons need to aim? No, like,
1: it's it's like a it's like a like a heat, it, it is a a heat seeking bullet, but also yeah. it's a heat seeking bullet that knows what target it seems to want, which is right. That's two different things happening there because everybody yeah. emits heat, so if, if <laughs> right you, yes. You, so if you are <laughs> if you are shooting a a heat seeking bullet, it would hit anybody like just you know like a
2: regular bullet would or i don't know a heater that might be in the hotel yeah, room yeah exactly right. yeah and, the, and, that that he, i feels like they take a shot at explaining that at some point later in the movie it's like oh he can like kind of hack into police computers maybe so he mm-hmm. has everybody's dna on a blah, 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 blah. But yeah the, <laughs> the, the fact that this bullet just seems to chase like main characters is yeah is is pretty wacky uh,
1: can we stop for a moment and talk about the, sure. the when he about logging into the the uh uh you know, employee files of various people that because apparently a year into the future your employee file is going to have your your acting headshot mention your hobbies
2: <laughs> right <which laughs> yeah your hobbies i know
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like how old your child is and it's like that's a little intrusive
0: yeah, like why does the why does the police force need to know how old his child is, or the fact that he likes soccer and football? That is not something your employer needs to know, right?
2: And you know, hobbies change. How often do you update those hobbies? You know, like yes. I don't, I'm, I don't play a lot of Settlers of Catan now, but there was a time <laughs> when you know I had a weekly game with some friends. But yeah, I would hate to look in my personal file and see Settlers of Catan on there as one of my main hobbies. <laughs>
0: yeah when they look at the the when thompson's file um he's like well this is just pr stuff and like no there's a lot of information there that you shouldn't just let the press know either (laughs) so it's it there's variable it's what the movie needs to communicate when it needs to communicate it there's no consistent to consistency to it whatsoever but Uh, Getting back to this alleyway sequence, which does not take place in New York. New York does not have alleyways. It looks a lot like Los Angeles alleyways. It is neither of those things. These are pure, unadulterated Vancouver, British Columbia (laughs) alleyways. So these magic bullets get after you. And like we mentioned before, it's very obviously a cameraman. The coolest part is when the bullet goes through a pipe. But of course, when it gets to the end of the pipe, there's a match cut that doesn't quite continue. There's just the ideas are too big for the technology at the time, I think, and it, it just confounded Crichton as a director. And as a result, a lot of the frustration is left on screen. But uh, he fires a bunch of these bullets. Eventually, uh, Gene Simmons uh, hits his target, and it, it explodes his back, and he explodes in this shower of sparks. And he's just lying on the ground, and again, for whatever reason, Tom Selleck goes to check his pulse and checks his pulse on his shoulder. <laughs> it's like he's—it's
1: like he's afraid to touch them on their necks is too intimate or something.
0: If this revealed that what Tom Selleck's true fear was was touching necks, that would be amazing. Like, it, listen. I'll do anything you want. I will jump on this elevator. I will round these corners. I will, you know, get near sparks and explosions, but I'm not touching a neck. Fuck that noise. I don't care what the script asks for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what the point of aiming this gun is. I don't know why Gene Simmons, like, I, I guess maybe if you aim it at a person, they're, heat signature is registered by the gun that is transferred to the bullet missile and then the bullet missile knows which specific heat signature to go after. But also if a person is running for their life their heat signature is bound to go up. Like that's a I'll just say it. I haven't gone through it by myself but sounds uh, stressful. (laughs) Also Gina, because the bullet goes through a pipe and then hits the person it's aimed at. Does that make this specific kill a get bunked? You
1: know, I'm actually going to say no in in, oh. in this case. I don't. I do. Mm-hmm. I do not think that bullets. I don't think qualify for get bunked.
0: Okay, just so you uh, know, Jordan, a get bunked is when someone is killed through something else. Uh, uh, when we originally did Friday the Thirteenth, people were killed. Through, uh, even in the first movie, someone, uh, Kevin Bacon's killed through gotcha. a mattress of yes, his bed. Yes,
2: very memorable kill.
0: Right. Uh, that's a get bunked. And gotcha. so we are always on the lookout for it. We want it. We don't always You, like a, you it.
2: You like a good bunking on the show.
0: Yeah. Oh, we surely do. Uh, this is when it's revealed that the police have their own iPad with a physical 10 key, which is something I want. <laughs> It's, it's the one thing that's missing from my iPad is a physical 10 key. So I can feel like I'm back in the bank. <laughs> um, when they go to the microchip manufacturer, uh, we get a, a very underrated that guy appearance by Michael Paul Chan, um, who shows up in a whole bunch of movies in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. Uh, then he was on television forever. Uh, and, uh, we'll reveal the other person that he was on a TV show with later, but this is really where we meet Jackie. Um, Jackie is played by all the hair that Christy Alley ever had in the 1980s. Oh, it's
1: huge. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I, if she could hang glide with the hair that's on top of her head.
2: <laughs> yeah. Looks, look, look, looking great. Uh, always, always the 80 ba- 80s, 80s, Here's the alley. Mm-hmm. Um, off. Uh, how how long has it been since Star Trek? Here.
0: Ooh. Well, she is uh, in. Is she in two and three? I believe. I think she might be. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, uh, she was in uh, Spock. Uh, the search for Spock would be eighty three. I believe. So. Okay. So she's
2: maybe more known for sci-fi at this point.
0: Yes. I think she's known as a bodacious babe is my guess is that she's an actress on her eyes, but I don't think she's been called upon to be particularly funny at this point because she's not on cheers until a little bit later down the line. So she's more, you know, an actress that is can can appear beautiful on screen, but yeah, probably seen more in the pages of Starlog than anywhere else. And she's like, and she's
2: good here. You know, I th- I think we talked about the you know blasé vibe that everybody has here. But you know, in this kind of opening scene when, or this intro scene, I guess, where she's kind of getting shocked by this security bot, she is like, you know, milking all the comedy one can milk out of this <laughs> pretty pretty dry utter. Um, and so yeah, I I think she's she she's bringing a kind of like. You know, necessary efforty presence that that few others in the movie
0: are. We should definitely put milking the dry utter (laughs) on the Blu-ray box when this makes the leap to 4K. Um, But you guys didn't
2: watch this in 4K. Oh my god, you got to watch it again. So many Uh, little details. So many details. You can can see the hot glue dripping off the recently glued Roombas.
0: (laughs) I guess they probably. Michael Crichton is a visionary for sure. Um, and you can see the arc of technology decades in advance, you know, he's, he's a visionary in that way, but he's also the kind of man who believes that there are no two women can exist in the same space who aren't instantly jealous of one another. (laughs) So for whatever reason, uh, Tom Selleck is just asked to be instantly interested in Kirstie Alley, as he's also been asked to be instantly interested in Cynthia Rhodes. And why wouldn't he be? But why would Cynthia Rhodes or Kirstie Alley be in any way, shape, or form thrown by the other? I don't fucking know. But Michael Crichton is convinced that's what's happening. Tell me, does this sound like Sergeant Ramsey or any character Steve Carell has ever played? Quote, Who is she? She's very attractive. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, like just in the middle of this like crisis situation. He's like, say.
0: Mm, Hubba hubba. Who's got the games over there?
1: Who's who's the babe?
2: (laughs) I can't wait to get her in that (laughs) um, machine that scans people for (laughs) listening bugs.
0: Uh, and so he goes woggle woggle and his eyeballs go out of his, uh, and his C- eye Cynthia, sockets Cynthia like a Rhodes fucking cartoon. Is,
1: Cynthia Rhodes looking at him like, hmm, how dare.
0: Huh. <laughs> when Cynthia Rhodes is in front of you and yet you deign to have attraction to Kirstie Alley in 1984, how dare. Like, what? what does either of this have to do with what you're fucking doing right now? But again, this is a movie. That was filmed in 1984. If anyone is attractive on screen, they have to have the feeling like they might do it at any second. It just has to be there. <laughs> I feel like if if Adrian
2: Barbeau was in this somehow, you would have
0: a kind of an 80s babe hat trick. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be great. If she was the captain, I think that would be great.
2: She would be great as the captain. You're Fact about Crichton saying that he wanted the movie to be cliche is is the most evident with that captain, with that like, you know, I told you to do it by the book style captain, uh,
0: and that, it's that, literally that, the that guy from the Police lit. Academy. Yes. Oh, is it's it? and then this is the same year as Police Academy, and yet <laughs> no, we never see the Blue Oyster. That's the only thing missing from this motion picture.
2: Oh yes, yeah, the Blue Oyster where men where men dance the tango in biker
0: outfits. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a hell of a fucking time. To be honest with sounds you, like blast. if I was told that there was a bar in town where men danced the tango, I'm like, well, do they have good drinks? Because that would be the trifecta. I like, "Fucking yeah, let's go, let's do this thing." Yeah, I don't know. that is a like
2: <laughs> in the in the world of like homophobic '80s jokes. Like that was <laughs> that one. Uh, that one has aged pretty delightfully. <laughs>
0: And so we learn that Jackie is actually working for Luther. She's on the payroll, or he has something over her, or he's just threatened her with death. That's all it really takes. But Jackie sees an out. If she can tell these cops where Luther is at right that second, and they capture him or kill him, She's in the clear, and so that's exactly what she does. She points these cops to the Ritz Hotel. And so off they are to go to this hotel set. And just another um, another
2: little bit of lazy naming in this, the Ritz. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> the first thing you, yeah, the first hotel name you would
0: say. There's an element to this movie that feels like everything is Ralph's brand. Just that right. blue typeface on white. Everything <laughs> is just brand name thing. Right. Brought Police. to you by Kroger.
2: <laughs> right. Acme, the Ritz.
0: Yeah. Uh, don't, don't worry about the details. None of them are juicy or interesting. Just understand this is thing you understand. Right. Ritz Hotel. I got it. Thumbs up. So... Uh, Tom Selleck runs over there, and there's they've got a backup of like two or three officers. It seems like a bad idea to go rushing in, but for whatever reason, they decide to do that. We get a bit of PG 13 nudity, which is rare. You never have PG 13 nudity anymore. Uh, Tom Selleck enters the scene. Uh, Luther is trying to sell this technology to two unnamed goons. And Instantly, a gunfight breaks out, and Luther is able to kill almost everybody, injuring Cynthia Rhodes in the action, and escapes via helicopter. Um, he almost kills Anne-Marie Martin, a, a name you might recognize. She was a very popular 80s and 90s actress, both on the big and small screen. And at the time, she was Michael Crichton's girlfriend, which is why she was cast as, quote-unquote, Hooker number one. So <laughs> that's that's love, baby. Not not my designation, the films. Um, this is also where we meet G.W. Bailey, whose first line in the film is assholes. And um, he's the second uh closer/slash major crimes actor uh in this in this movie. He would be he would be employed for more than a decade as a Closer major crimes actor. So, if you love your old TNT dramas, uh, this film's for you, baby. Captain, as he's known, he has no other name. He's simply Captain. Um, says, I've had it up to here with your shit. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm after a killer. And that's as much tension as is put into this relationship. He's not taken off the beat. He doesn't say, Put your badge on my desk and your gun. None of that. He's just like, like, okay, but I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> like next time do better. Think harder. Okay? Yeah.
2: It it does seem like that little scene is in there. Just right. I don't know because Crichton thought it was funny. Maybe is this supposed to be mm. kind of spoofy in its own way? Like it, it, that doesn't come across, but like maybe that's an explanation for why everything so, things seems, why everything seems so by the numbers. I wonder if he like thought that, this was going to have some sort of like
0: spoof value to it. I think because the fantastical elements of robots being every day is really the, the big sell here that he didn't want to rock the boat in any other direction. So everyone else is playing a rote character and he, he just figures that will placate the necessary components of this by the numbers police chase picture that just happens to have a bunch of robots in it.
2: And I guess, and, and I guess, maybe it's it, it it's it's worth thinking about the fact that, like this, you know, it's nineteen eighty four, and maybe this thing isn't so cliche at this point. Like maybe it's a little less familiar. Maybe it's kind of a newer genre. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're we're ten years out from the last action hero, um, <laughs> right. where where these things would get the spoofing they deserve. Um, Truly, so so, so maybe. This, this all this stuff is a little more audacious from where we're sitting uh you know here in uh one year away from the movie right <laughs> always
0: always <laughs> and and a year from now will also be a year for away, away from right. the movie um but if you're wondering well this is kind of an 80s action movie maybe there should be like a sex scene well good news everybody as close as you'll get to it is a scene in which Tom Selleck removes a bullet from the arm of Cynthia Rhodes. Right. It does play like they're having sex. It's very weird. And it ends with an explosion and them in each other's arms. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I guess that's like sex. I mean, to me of the age of which I was when this film came out, that was as close to sex as I'd ever gotten to. So Sure. It worked for me then. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of kinds of bullets in the, this movie. There's there's the laser gun, which fires laser yeah. bullets. Sure. There's regular guns, which can be mm-hmm. fired by robots, even yeah. though they can't pull the triggers. No, don't need to. Um, there's heat-seeking guns, and then there's this other gun that shoots things that explode, Maybe. Like they don't have to; uh, they will explode if you do surgery wrong or throw them into a stack of wine glasses. <laughs> they
0: will explode.
2: They, yeah. Anyway, a lot of lot the, the future is 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 just lousy with bullet types.
0: Of course, there's one other gun that you didn't get to, and that is, of course, Gene Simmons's love gun, which is right. implied <laughs> but never <laughs> seen. Sure. Um. Now. It is after the sequence that Marvin, our man behind the uh, microscope, uh, discovers that these bullets follow specific heat signatures. Um, and then uh, Chief seems to have forgiven Ramsey for leading two men to their deaths uh, after reading Luther's rap sheet and decides that the best course of action is to get the quote-unquote department psychic involved. Now, when I say the monocle popped out of my eye.
2: <laughs> yeah, I did not
1: remember that there was a single scene, one scene <laughs> involving a psychic.
0: But not like they've got laser guns and robot cars, but also they have a subsidized psychic on staff who will hold the bullet and go. You knew this man. You were brothers once in life. Man, I'm trying to solve a fucking case with a guy with some <laughs> heat-seeking yeah, bullets. And I will maybe
2: give give this give this some credit and say, and, and maybe assume that it's that it's going for the comedy that I thought it was. Like <laughs> the idea that, like the hero and the villain are intertwined in this Batman and Joker kind of way and they just Mm -hmm. kind of brush it off. I guess that is pretty funny. I guess it, (laughs) you know, maybe it kind of goes with uh, you know, his partner trying to describe her backstory and getting shushed. This kind of idea of like we don't care about this stuff. Like, just get on with it. Get to the exploding robots. I, I guess if they're going for that, there is a kind of a funny idea in there. I don't know if it works. And uh, you know, there's so much bad comedy in this movie that that it's hard to it's hard to kind of assume that this stuff is intentionally. funny but like i don't know it i if i'm being generous there's kind of a cool comedy idea in
0: this yeah i mean it just 60 minutes in like i've seen robots taking bullets laser guns self-driving cars psychics on staff right but then when luther calls in and goes you can't trace me i'm on a mobile phone (laughs) you're like oh Hold on. mobile <laughs> phones still have to connect like through a signal. That signal can be traced. Are you telling me there is no internet in this robot society? Mm. Oh boy. I don't know. Yeah, It seems, I don't to, know, guys. It seems to
1: me we, that if they could trace the robots, uh, you they could think. trace a phone.
0: Yes. If you know where a robot is in their system, like, I don't know. I, again, he can't solve every problem. He's got a really big idea. Hmm. And, this far into the future, it all seems a bit silly, but oh my God, the just introducing a psychic and then dropping it all together is truly one of the most delicious moments we've ever encountered in this entire podcast history. Chee.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I only wait wait a psychic. what?
0: <laughs> Come on. So they decide. We've got to lure Luther out because he's not going. We're, we're not going to be able to trace him automatically. We've got him, we've got to figure out why he wants Jackie. Is, is this where he gets the,
2: called a wiener head?
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is exactly. I didn't the want moment. us to run past that. No, 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 no. I'm very glad you brought it up because it needs to be said that to the outside eye, to to the non-police presence in his investigation. He does seem like a wiener head, and I will be honest with you, his plan sounds like something a wiener head would come up with, (laughs) which is to take two cars, one of which is driven by a robot, and just see if Luther is able to find where they are and maybe try to kill them and let him get very close to killing them until Jackie reveals what she has that Luther wants. So that's exactly what they do. And it's at this point that we are introduced to killer RC cars. And this is years before their pure 80s apex of Clint Eastwood's The Deadpool.
1: Yes. Every once in a while, I'll think about that movie and I'll remember that Jim Carrey played Axl Rose in it.
0: It's (laughs) in an Exorcist styled music video. (laughs) And oh, my God. Uh, Is that a? Is is that a stay tuned? Do you think Gina can uh, you know we get what? away with talking Sh- about the Deadpool? Sure, why not? <laughs> it is certainly not the best of the Dirty Harry well, movies, absolutely and it could not. legitimately be pointed to as the worst, but perhaps the most interesting as a result.
1: Yeah, I'd say add it to the list.
0: Um. So yeah, uh, <laughs> Tom Selleck's big plan. Is that they're just going to lure Luther into killing them on a crowded road when he sends mobile bombs he,
1: he's, he's fine putting other people's lives at risk for this.
0: Oh, yeah. No. He's like, hey, man, this is the future. We're driving Mercury Topazes, the car <laughs> of the future.
2: And these self-driving cars do have, like,
0: chauffeur mannequins in the front? Yes. Like, I think there's, like, one other movie I can think of off the top of my head. It starts Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he goes to Mars, where there are right, mannequins right, driving right, right, cars. Right, right. So, uh, and that that's, that's two, three years down the line from this. So, it is wild that that film might, that this film might have some influence. Oh, my God. This is just, it's wild how ahead of the game this film is and behind the eight ball, narratively, <laughs> it is but they go through this complicated thing where they put the public at risk on a fucking bridge by having all these robots explode. And you can see the other cars swerve out of the way. Like it's not a, this is an invasive operation that they're doing, but they let one car go. It gets exploded. And Janky's like, fine, fine. I have the templates that, that he needs to make more microchips. And so, uh, Tom Salk's like, well, I'll slip a bug into one of those templates and la-di-da, I'll find Luther. And so of all the fucking things that happened in this film, we are then presented with the most dangerous robot I think we encounter. One that makes sushi. <laughs> there are many things that I've done in my life. All right, I have peed at a robotic urinal that went up and down and laughed at me while it <laughs> Wait, why Why did that happen? I lived in Japan for a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> there was guess a restaurant. <laughs> Any kind, kind of toilet shenanigans
2: thing. can be explained with, and I lived in Japan they, they, for a few they years. They love
0: a toilet shenanigan yeah. over there. And it was a clown themed restaurant, and the urinal would, when you peed into it, would go up and down and laugh at you. Okay. And uh, implicitly at your penis. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like fun now that you describe it. And yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I didn't take it personally. It laughs at everyone.
2: If you're penis. aware, if you're, a, if you know that's what you're
0: getting in, getting in for. Yeah. No, listen, I heard this ahead of time. I'm like, let's get in a taxi. I didn't stop. It didn't, I didn't say, no, that's not something I want to accomplish. I went there specifically to do it. So <laughs> this robot makes sushi next to a different robot that serves other food. It's in the middle of a giant fountain. You would think this would be a big set piece. But what it really is, is that somehow Luther kidnaps Cynthia Rhodes while Tom Selleck has Kirstie Alley. And then they have to exchange hostages in a public spot. And so they do that. And then a cart gets brought out with dessert. And then there's a whole bunch of hubbub. And they can't see what's going on. Kirsty Alley makes it all the way to Gene Simmons, who gives her a big old smooch. And then knifes her in the back of the skull and dumps her in the fountain. And not a soul in this restaurant notices. Yeah, no, she he just, he yeah. just
1: she just falls right in, and they're just he like throws you know, her
2: into a fountain. <laughs> I mean, how big <laughs> like is this, is this is dessert cart? Is this dessert cart still obscuring <laughs> her, her murder?
0: I mean, how many how many dessert options does this place have? I don't know. And, and like, there are other people around who, who are not obscured by the dessert cart. So you would think, like, right. a, a guy stabbing somebody. And dumping that body in the fountain would cause a ruckus or something just, like that. We, don't,
1: we just but don't want to get involved.
0: You know, that, that's a that's a thing
2: with them. Yeah. They should right. cut to someone saying, check, please. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if one of the stated goals of this movie was to, like, be a vehicle for cliches, someone should have said, check, please. Yes, absolutely.
0: 100%. Uh, it, it's the, the, the thing that's missing is if Crichton had any sense of humor, but I don't believe that he does. Yeah. And as a result, to
2: no... Science point to not.
0: (laughs) I just... There's no evidence of it, and any comedy that happens seems to be purely unintentional. And as such, there's no ruckus really to be made until Gene Simmons starts firing that rocket gun at people and table centerpieces start exploding because, of course, there's a candle... And every tape. There's a slight flaw with these heat-sinking bullets, and that any amount of heat will distract them from their target. But oh okay. Um, what are you gonna do? He uh, George Gene Simmons escapes in all the kerfluffle. He jumps down a couple fountains, he goes into a couple pine trees. You can still see him, but no one no one seems to notice that he's just inside the tree line and he just looks at them angry. <laughs> just like like a vamp there's one scene where he hops down the the fountain onto the next level and he starts running and he looks like a vampire doing an extreme obstacle course <laughs> and you're like more of that please uh, i, I absolutely like see that.
2: have written down in my note tap gene simmons runs like a dork <laughs>
0: he's not he's not threatening while in motion yeah when when perfectly still When he hits poses, I'm like, ooh, that guy's dangerous. When I see him moving, I'm like, ooh, that guy, he's been walking in tall boots for a really long time. He's (laughs) really got some knee damage. He
2: just, and he seems like a kid who is running to tattle on you. Like, I feel like (laughs) it just seems like he should be saying, mom.
0: Yeah. So, of course, Luther knows that the templates have been bugged. He sticks it in a in a toilet paper dispenser at a hospital. Half the police force is there to intercept him. And of course, he's not there. And so when Tom Selleck shows up, he's like, this is ridiculous. Uh, just, just see if you can find any information from this, from any environments here, DNA, whatever, you know, do whatever you do, cyber CSI. Hmm. And so he leaves. And as soon as he does uh sally the ipad operator um gets attacked by a robo spider injected with acid in the neck and when the other cop in there in the bathroom with her uh arrives to see what's happening they both get blown up by the spider (laughs) um his pants are on fire that's a real stunt so i gotta give it up When I see somebody's pants are on fire, I feel the danger because that fire is approaching his wiener. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's some some like practical stunts in this that are kind of cool. In that car chase, there is a moment where, you know, Tom Selleck, but his stunt double like straddles two cars, does kind of a Van Damme split between two cars (laughs) to jump from one to the other. Yeah. There's some Mm -hmm. like fun, practical, clearly a stunt double stunt work in this.
0: The tensile strength on his five hundred ones are working overtime, yes, definitely. To, yes, but to approach that level of stretch, that is for sure. Um, so meanwhile they're doing this, Luther is used this as a distractionary tactic, because he he went to a costume shop, picked up police uniform, and this is when he picks up all the information on on the uh, runaway computer and learns that. <laughs> That uh, our, our hero, Ramsey, likes soccer and football. It's very important. Uh, and then in the background, you see that this is like a typical police station on top of it. Because there seems to be multiple sex workers just wandering about the precinct waiting <laughs> to be booked. Like it's just, it's it's basically a Barney Miller type situation with robots. <laughs>
1: But without the cool theme song.
0: (laughs) That's, oh my God. That was on, like we were in some cabin and we didn't have internet access, you know, for a reason. But I turned on the local, you know, TV and they were playing Barney Miller episodes back to back. I'm like, no, I'm seated for the next 30 minutes. I'm hearing that theme song (laughs) not once but twice, baby. (laughs) Tom uh discovers that Luther knows where his kid is. Luther steals his kid, goes to... That construction site, because he knows Tom Selleck is afraid of heights, because it's been talked about not once, not twice, but thrice. So you know it's going to end up in the finale. It's Chekhov's character <laughs> development. Chekhov's <laughs> unfinished high rise. <laughs> yes. And the uh, you said earlier on, Jordan, that one of the disappointing aspects of this is the sound design. Right. Particularly the robots. And it's really made a pair of hair because this, this gir- all the girders and construction elements are filled with robots welding these iron girders. But whenever they move, they sound like a Coke machine with that robot arm that goes, Oh, you want a sprite? <laughs> and and then it drops it in a slot that's that's what it sounds like it doesn't sound futuristic it just sounds like a coke machine that needs oil
2: yeah i maybe like again i'm like i'm trying to give this movie a little bit of the benefit of the doubt like is 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 part of the message of this movie like robots shouldn't be trusted so like is that why <laughs> sure. they want them to like look and sound so janky if they like looked cooler and sounded cooler maybe we wouldn't get the message that robots bad i i I don't know like i i i want this to be a choice i really do but like it just seems like it's lazy
0: and sucks i I just think he's like they can't be too futuristic because it has to seem like it's happening tomorrow yeah and so they kind of have to have to
2: look like atari
0: 2600s Right, they have to be somewhat practical. Like they're they're not hyper futuristic. They're mm-hmm. just worker drones, so they don't have to look fancy. You know, they look like they were built in a factory outside of Detroit, and I, yeah. I you know, that's an aesthetic. It's going for,
2: it. and I guess but, that like. You know, I did mention, like, these these robots are no Star Wars robots, but I guess the robots in Star Wars do have, like, a jank to them, you know? They're, they're just, like, a yeah. li- they have a little more personality and they sound cooler. But, yeah, maybe that right. is kind of part of the Star Wars aesthetic, too, is, like, the stuff is kind of secondhand. The stuff is, you know, from another time and people are fixing it up and reusing it. So, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a little closer to Star Wars than I was giving it credit for, but uh yeah so so i don't know i'm 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 maybe i'm trying to be more generous toward the movie
0: (laughs) well i think the advantage that star wars has is, of course that all droids no matter how they look have an inherent personality to them in that universe whereas here there's zero personality lois is it, it sounds it has the personality of teddy ruxpin everything that she says sounds pre-recorded it doesn't sound generated by a thinking machine necessarily when you see it make pasta you're like how are they alive (laughs) there's no sane rational being would make pasta like this but it does for whatever reason when it's making hot dogs it makes hot dogs in a glass coffee pot Uh, who the fuck does this in the
1: future a year mark this down patrick a year from today, yeah. you'll be making a hot dog in a coffee pot. <laughs>
0: um, if I could sing, I would sing uh, hot dog in a coffee pot to the tune of Girlfriend in a Coma. It <laughs> um, doesn't, doesn't quite scan. Yeah. You know, I'd have, I'm would have. i no Morrissey. What can I tell
2: Hot you? dog in your coffee, I know. <laughs> I, you know, I just, you know. don't get the pot in there, but. Yeah.
0: It still works, you know. So, uh, he's lured to this, this, this site. He's forced by the fact that um, his son has been captured. He's got to give up these planes. Um, and for whatever reason, Luther seems rather okay with letting Bobby get onto an elevator down to the bottom. But, of course, he reveals what his true terrible plane is. There's a bunch of acid-filled robots, spiders at the bottom, that'll kill anyone who gets off of it first. They'll let you get on, but they won't let you get off.
2: Very specific. And so there's that whole, is a very specific skill set that these spider robots have. They recognize when yeah. someone is getting on an elevator, but not getting off.
0: Right. And meanwhile, they're like six, six legs and 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 a vat full of acid and, and some explosive, but like how do they determine who gets on and off? this is not for us to wonder about. This is not what we come to run away for. No, you're right. Not for this level of realism. So of course, Selleck's got to do a bunch of tomfoolery to get in the way of that. He releases some steam. He evades some flying bullets. He manages to, uh, you know, get his kid to turn the power off to the elevator. Um, but it's all for naught. It's, it's a one way trip, but luckily for us, um, his partner has disobeyed his direct orders and has shown up to save his son wearing, I kid you not, four-inch red fuck-me pumps.
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> just for a date, which is like, like, why did she show up like this?
0: Like, You don't have one pair of sweatpants in your car? I- I'm guessing you do. Like, like, put on some practical pants for crying out loud. Stop showing up for work in a dress. This is, this is not a dress-level type of job you you got to figure that one out. But she manages to climb on top of this elevator with him and get him out of the way of the acid-filled robots. And Tom Sellick jumps onto an elevator on the other side, uh, which, of course, Luther has rigged to go all the way up to the top and then tumble to the bottom. Um, but he's also rigged it with a bunch of spider-bots. And this sort of reflects basically now Crichton's playing his hits because this is going back to the Andromeda strain, which has a long sequence in which, in order to turn off a self-destruct button, uh, a scientist has to ascend this giant silo to get to the one security panel, and he's attacked by uh, acid-filled robot guns, or lasers, that zap his face. And it's <laughs> like, okay. Like, uh, I've seen this movie, and you I- wrote I it. S- I will say, this: it does make sense
2: that maybe this is a duplicate of something that he's done before because it's easily the best scene in the movie. Like this scene of him trying to get off this elevator to me was so legitimately tense and well done. And maybe, maybe it comes from me having a little fear of heights myself, but like it, 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 they really make you feel like, you're up high and you could fall at any second. It's so well done. It really makes me mad at the rest of the movie. Like (laughs) when I was watching it, I'm like, what the fuck? Like (laughs) there's, I don't know. There's some craft here. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not film literate enough to like explain why I think this, this part is so much, so much more effective than the rest of the movie, but it like really worked on me. It really worked on me as like a, you know, suspense scene. Um, and yeah I, yeah, I guess I guess it uh I guess it's because of what you said, like it's just kind of like something he does, he's done it before, it's a well, he's going back, um but yeah i I thought this was like the best bit of the movie,
0: I think it also helps that the the robot spiders start doing things we've never seen them do quite right well, like here they go, oh. Guess what? We jump now, motherfucker. Right. And they start jumping and they start spraying acid and they start doing things that they haven't done at any other point in the movie because it's a tight space. You've got to make this work somehow. And I think because it's confined to a small space, much like the train fight in From Russia to Love with Love, like – you you keep people in a very small space and they don't have anywhere else to go it ramps up the tension and you and I think he ups his game you haven't seen the robots do these things before now they're starting to do these like they're learning or something and it it uh, it ramps up the tension level of the sequence where it falls apart slightly is in this final duel in which he finally starts to descend and luther jumps on board the elevator basically has him dead to right and does not kill him for reasons just you've killed all my spider bots your child is relatively safe at the bottom of this um so i'm going to you know cow i'm just gonna hover over you and like yeah Menace just you just a, for a little while you know it, a classic example
2: of like the villain's gloating getting in the way of him winning and yes. and yeah this is a guy with like follow bullets like he doesn't have to be doing any of this he could just like be across town and shoot he, the gun and yeah he could it, be sitting right? in his,
1: he could be sitting in his car like 5 blocks away
2: Of course yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah just definitely like this guy's evil he you know he likes to make a meal of it and that's yes it's, it's his undoing
0: it very much so is, and then so they start descending, and for whatever reason, they, they're descending faster than they were before, and Tom Selleck seems to wriggle his arm out from underneath him, and this causes Gene Simmons to tumble out of the elevator, which is not that far from the ground. So when he hits the ground, he's not so much worse for wear, but of course, he has set himself up for his own doom, as he is now, quote-unquote, the first person out of the elevator and that's why all six of the robots at the bottom of the elevator inject them full of acid, but they don't explode right. yet. Yeah, I I
2: noticed that. And again, it kind of goes goes back to these, these robots having kind of unclear power sets, you know? Yeah. They're like a, a bunch of X-Men that they introduced in the 90s. It's like, what does this person do? And they shoot <laughs> lasers? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it is kind of a, like, they all latch on to him. They all kind of... Acid him, or they all yes. stab him and then acid Well, him, uh, they the stabbing
0: things yet. are full of acid, so when they stab him, they're oh, injecting him okay. with acid that makes
2: more sense.
0: Sure. The movie's I mean, good. Who does <laughs> no one's lining up to get injected with stick. acid? The movie's good. <laughs> sure. That's why his face isn't green because the acid is interior. So it's it's okay. aciding his insides okay. rather than his outside. I don't fucking understand it. But of course. Um, Tom Selleck has to make sure he's dead he's unarmed at this point and just hovers over him and of course this wakes up Gene Simmons in a real ghost-faced moment
1: (laughs) and so Um, Tom Selleck does not react in any way he like doesn't he doesn't jump away from him he doesn't look scared he just like you done
0: (laughs) all right we sure (laughs) this is all you have Okay, I'm going to slowly walk away from you while you get smoked like salmon behind me. <laughs> no, it, I don't know why they explode so slowly for him. Like, oh, it's our master. Explode. <laughs> Romantic. I, I, I do I like I
1: do like that. Some of his dyes, they look of total exasperation on his face.
0: <laughs> like, I took off the makeup for this.
1: Uh <laughs>
0: and then the coup de grace is that at the end of this Cynthia Rhodes is like all right I'll go to dinner with you because this is a constant this is a thing throughout the Chekhov's dinner and they're like okay it's it's fine that you know we're coworkers and you're I'm a man and you're a woman people go to partners go to dinner all the time and then they they kiss there before
2: the kissing there uh-huh. is a lot of nose touching by Selleck. He's like booping her nose and rubbing uh-huh. her
0: nose in a very yeah.
2: weird way. What is... That?
0: Well, he doesn't like necks, but he does like noses. Okay. I mean, that's the <laughs> All right. contradiction in him.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah, boy, that, that is a strange little moment of him. Yeah, anyway, I guess it's supposed to be fun and playful. and But yeah, they're... Near a dead body, and his yeah. son just his had the most traumatic event there. of his entire life happen to him. And he's just yeah. kind of pushing her nose, bonking her, he's got bonking got two her. Two giant the sniffer. acid
0: burns on his face. But yeah, he and does. She's like, he has Ooh. giant
2: open wounds. <laughs> and he's <just> like,
0: <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> it's like, fucking phantom of the opera. It's like, now we make out. And she's like, you know what? Okay. I think the last line of the movie is, he says,
2: or the last little exchange is, he says, can you cook? And she says, try me. What the fuck does that mean?
0: What is that? In comparison to your fucking robot who grabs pasta (laughs) and just lumbers it wet over a a lit stove into marinara sauce? Yeah, anyone can cook compared to that. That's insane. Is thats that they is that the joke they're trying to make? Is like
2: we we we're, we need to get rid of robots, robots yeah. are bad. We've decided, so we're, you have to do the cooking. Is that like? Is that what we're shooting
0: for here? I don't know. I mean, that's a that that's a. I'll go with that idea because I can't imagine what the actual answer is. Maybe it is that. Um, it's just so weirdly delivered that. You have to sift through the many sands of subtext to finally get to it. It's weird.
2: Yeah, I was just like, I was racking my brain. I'm like, is this a callback to something? Again, I may have zoned out during portions of this movie. So I, I kind of blamed I, I, myself. How is like, that possible?
0: Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> who knows? Um, and so they, and it's not like they kiss in at freeze frames. They kiss for the entire credits. <laughs> They Just do. S- slow credits going by Jerry Goldsmith's worst effort <laughs> blaring through I can't speakers Can't believe it's him. Um, and they kiss for four full fucking minutes
2: yeah this is kind of beautiful this this kind of end credits thing you would you would you know just imagine there would be a cut to black and you know stark white credits but like Mm -hmm. the fact that there is this kind of beautifully filmed slow motion kiss while sparks fly is like i don't know yeah it's this little little it's this little moment of like well, now you're putting in some effort. Like <laughs> there there are some moments where someone tried in this movie. Um
0: Well, there's nothing more romantic than kissing near the charred remains <laughs> of a psychotic. Right, girl. right. Your traumatized <laughs> child. flowing through what used to be his veins. It's just like what that must smell like. I can only imagine. But it doesn't, in, in no conception of this, does it spark, I'm so horny I got to kiss for four minutes. I'll tell you <laughs> that right now um and so that just about does it but of course before we go we have to choose our own death venture and that's where we decide. of the many deaths portrayed in this motion picture if we were forced to die in one of those ways which one would we choose and why up for debate here and uh you can choose from many of them is slashed to death by robot that happens to two different people shot by robot because he refused to listen to somebody, uh, injected with acid and then exploded, uh, a mini missile explosion to the back, um, shot by mini missile. That happens a bunch of times stabbed in the head at the base of the skull and just dumped in a a, a public fountain. And no one notices, uh, injected with acid uh, blown up in in a bathroom or fall inexplicably from an elevator, get injected with acid by multiple robot spiders and explode slowly. And Jordan, you're our guest. And so I've decided you go first.
2: Oh, boy, this is a toughie. Um, huh. I don't know. I kind of want to, you know, I, I do. Maybe I'll go get stabbed in the head and thrown in the fountain. Uh, mm-hmm. just because I did like the look of that restaurant uh, sure it's so kind of a cool setup it's outside maybe mm-hmm. it's attached to a museum or something like that anyway maybe yeah it's uh yeah and you know I want to see what's on that dessert cart uh I think in this death <laughs> sc- in this death scenario I've I've uh, Gene Simmons has bought me a nice meal first <laughs> and uh,
0: sure I, you have at least gotten through you know a first course a taster and a boosh, right. Who's to say, Um, uh, but you're going to get a knife in the back of, of the neck right through the cerebellum, whatever that, that very important part of your brain is back there. Uh, the the stem. So you're not going to feel much after that. I think you're going to, Going to the sweet bye bye pretty face, so you got that going for you, Gina. What say you?
1: Well, I'm really annoyed that that being killed with a with a robot drops a bag of cement over on my head is not an option because nobody mm. actually gets killed during that <laughs> sequence. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I guess I will take a hit in the back with a a robot bullet.
0: Sure. I mean, you're going to have to run through a lot of alleyways. Well, it won't take very and, long.
1: I'm about to stop and take a rest, and the bullet will, will, will get me <laughs> right away.
0: Sure. Okay. Uh. Yeah. And listen, that bullet isn't going to travel any faster than the cameraman can run. So you got that going for you. But eventually, he'll catch up, and you'll meet your grizzly. And um, of these things, you know, none of them are particularly fun. Let's put it that way. I think maybe a shot. Because I refuse to listen to a policeman. Because I'd like to die refusing to listen to a policeman. I think that's the way to go. It's not uncommon. History, history uh, will be and kind. Even when you do listen to them, you can get shot anyways. It's a real fucking dire set of circumstances. And uh, this movie doesn't prove otherwise, that's for sure. Um, and whether or not I'm dead immediately or not, uh, Tom Selleck will never know because he doesn't know where the pulse is located. <laughs> on an- all
2: these people could just be alive. They could just need medical that's attention.
0: True. Very true. Oh, he is reported dead later on okay. in a different news broadcast <laughs> that the kids listening to because that's what this child does all day. Because he doesn't have a parent, he just has a robot who makes hot dogs and a coffee pot. So. <laughs> Uh, what are you going to do? Um, so that pretty much does it. Um, it Josh Hall says all of our artwork. Revenge body uh, does all of our, uh, our themes and remixes go to revenge body, Memphis at bandcamp.com to get this theme and all the remixes ahead of this. Uh, but we want to know Jordan where can our audience find you on the uh, in the great world wide web and what you're doing right now
2: uh, yeah as far as what I'm doing right now, uh something that your listenership might be particularly interested in. I've been writing uh, some stories for Archie Horror. That's uh, the gang you know and love from Riverdale. Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica uh, have their own spooky adventures that come out every month from Archie Horror. Um, There's one on shelves now called Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. That's three spooky stories set in the famous diner. And uh, yeah, you can grab that now at your local comic book store and uh june 21st uh camp pickens drops it's a camp slasher themed issue um that i've got a story in and uh yeah you can put that on your pull list now if uh you're not a a regular comics reader and uh, maybe don't know where your local comic book store is. Uh, Feel free to get at me on Twitter. I will be your tech support for this at Jordan underscore Morris, (laughs) Jordan, David Morris on Instagram. Shoot me a DM. I'll help you find a copy. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's it for now. And Hey, uh, if you know who the gang is, uh, you'll like these stories. no, You don't need any knowledge of you know a hundred plus years of Archie continuity. They're funny, Mm -hmm. they're spooky, and if you like horror, I think you'll like these a lot. Archie Horror, Pop's Chocolate Shop of
0: Horrors, and Camp Pickens. Yeah, I I I downloaded the chocolates, uh, the the Pop Shop of Horrors uh, myself. Ah, Enjoy it very much. Of course, uh, what people the weird thing about comics is that like pre ordering, especially physical copies has a lot to do with how they're perceived as a success. Right. So with, um, you know, the chilling adventures not coming out until June, if you can reach out to a comic book shop right now and reserve a copy You'll be doing Jordan and, and everyone at Archie a tremendous favor. Yes, thank you. In that thank regard. you.
2: You said it, not me. But uh, yes, from <laughs> from your lips to God's ears,
0: pre-ordering your books it's and comics. It's just the way of the comics world. That's just how it mm-hmm. works. And of course, I I can't recommend Jordan Jesse go enough. Uh, certainly, Max Fun has meant uh, the world to Gene and I, and, and uh, it is the reason. Max Fun is the reason why Gene and I even know one another. it's max fun so it it, it is very important to the genesis of this particular podcast uh gina where can people find you on these here internet
1: i write about television and movies at the spool.net uh i have a Substack. it's gina watches and i am on twitter for however long it lasts and instagram (laughs) both under gina does things
0: Do it today, people. Check it out. Of course, you can find us on the various socials. Uh, Visit us over at Patreon, where we're doing fun things like talking over Friday the 13th movies. Our latest is Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, which is definitely a new beginning. And we talked for Animal Attack April about a movie called Spasms uh in which uh, people are bitten by a giant snake and then blow up real good uh (laughs) it really that doesn't make a lick of sense but it does have snake Ovision, vision which should make you want to listen to it and of course our uh two editions of chat by chat where we just talk about uh stuff on and off the show and that just about does it for us but don't worry folks the Bonnie Count will continue here at Kill by Kill for myself, for Gina, and for Jordan. Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Bye.